Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Welcome to another episode of the Base Life Podcast. I apologize for the little hiatus there, but, uh, you know, it's summer. The jumping is good. We had some travel going on, a few visits to the hospital, a lot of stuff. So we couldn't keep up with our uh, recording schedule. Oh, and we have normal jobs too, Sue. My bad. Um, oh, and uh, big shout out to our boy Jeff Weatherall. Sorry to hear, uh, you know, you're on the men, bro, and sorry to keep you waiting, but uh, hopefully he'll quickly, dude. Um, so in this episode, we get an update from Annette and Joel just over the halfway point in their fundraising skydiving road trip through all 50 states to raise awareness for Operation Enduring Warrior, a nonprofit organization that honors, empowers, and motivates America's wounded veterans through physical, mental, and emotional rehabilitation. Uh, one of their programs teaches wounded veterans to skydive, so it really hit home uh, with me, Ben and Brian. If you didn't catch the first part of this conversation, hit pause and go back to episode 25 to hear from Annette and Joel at the beginning of their adventure. All right, uh, I think that covers it. Um, hit us up on social medias and let us know what we can do better or maybe what you want to hear more of. All right, enjoy. Three. Two, one, see ya. You're listening to Base Life Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Brian. Better? Annette, can you hear us? I can. Awesome. Welcome back to the Base Life Podcast. Annette and Joel, how's it going? It is going all right. How's it going over there where you are? We are it's hot. hot. Yeah, I noticed the half nakedness. Yeah. Um that's why I, that's the real reason I wanted to go off video, not not so much um because it was messing with the sound. You know Randy's chest here, it actually just grows in that way though. Yeah, that's natural. We were about ready to rip off our shirts in this bakery that we're in in like beautiful mountainous Vermont. Just, you know, stay on par with y'all. Oh, back yeah. to video mode. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys right. doing? Good. We just finished yeah. state number 30, which is Vermont. Um, 30. Yeah. Dirty 30, man. Dirty 30. Yeah. So just <laughs> so over halfway now. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, we did our halfway points. Well, I did. I did the halfway point in Ohio uh, a couple of states ago. It starts skydiving, which is a gorgeous drop zone, but I can't wait to visit again. Nice. Um, I, I know some uh, people that work there. I actually did my first skydive ever in Ohio at uh, Greene County. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, everybody said to go to Greene County. Apparently, it's legendary. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. They, they used to have a big old plane. I'm bad at planes. Uh, Casa. You walk out the oh. back of it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love your aircraft. Yeah, so it's been a it's been a pretty interesting journey so far. <laughs> I was mentioning earlier, Randy, when we were chatting, that kind of feeling like I'm in a truth telling mood. Yeah. Yeah. We, the, we uh, like truth. You want to hear the full story? Yes. Oh yeah. Are you waiting for me? Oh yeah. Uh, so I picked up an injury um, in Missouri which ended up with me having to go to hospital and have some surgery. So I've been, uh, I've been recovering for the last few weeks. We were doing, um, we were doing water landings. Uh, the guys who run the drop zone in Missouri, um, 
once a year they have some property by the side of the lake, so they do water landings just for fun. And so I thought I would cut away into the water, which is, you know, a terrible, <laughs> bad decision. Um, did it from a little bit too high and knocked myself unconscious. Oh, and, shit. Um, amongst other things, uh, split my bowel open by hitting the water at a bit of a funny angle. What? Oh, no. So it was like the water just like Hashtag you too. They, they dragged me out of the water um, and put me on the boat which I, I have no memory of this for several hours. And, Thank God. and then tried to, tried to sort of walk it off for a day or so until Annette realized that I was probably dying and <laughs> took me to the At which point they, they wheeled me off to surgery really quickly and took all, my, uh, took all of my internal organs out, played with them, found the hole, put it back together, and sewed me up. So I spent a week in the, uh, the ICU and then another week at Annette's parents' house, um, just oh, basically wow. lying horizontally staring at the ceiling. Right. So for the, the full story on that, Joel had met my parents for a total of maybe two hours um, previous to basically rolling up in a wheelchair on their doorstep and getting waited on hand and foot like by a, like for a, two weeks. Like a, like a wow. And so, so you dump this broken British guy off on your parents' doorstep, and then you go skydiving? Yeah, um, I, I did worse than that, man. I did worse than that. We sort of talked about it, about how important it is, and we'll get to this later, too, how important it is to just get this damn thing done, right? Um, so we, we had this conversation at the hospital, which ended up being at the University of Wisconsin at Madison. Um, he got hurt in Missouri, as we mentioned, Um I went on, uh, like, we drove on together. Uh, well, I drove us on together while Joel lay in the back, smelling like a corpse and looking like one, too. Um, jumped Iowa, and then by the time 72 hours had passed, Joel was looking pretty much dead, and I knew that the closest good hospital was the U at Madison. Really glad I took him there, right, because wheeled him up to the urgent care. He was, like, being prepped for surgery within 45 minutes of us getting there. <laughs> like it wow. Was... So after you come out of surgery, um, we had a conversation about just, you know, what it would take to get this done. And the doctors were talking about keeping him for two weeks intubated Oof. in the hospital. Um, so basically I got behind the wheel of this RV, which, you know, I'll be honest with you. I do not like driving. It's 50 feet long with the motorcycle trailer on the back of it. Um, it's old, it's loud, it's really, really difficult to do simple things like going through toll booths. Like, it's, when you have to do it by yourself, it's a bitch. Uh -huh. And so we were like, okay, uh, I can do that for the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll, we'll just get through to the next thing. I ended up calling Brett and saying, hey, Brett, so here's what's going on. And before I could even finish the conversation with him, Brett's like, okay, I'm getting on a plane. Where am I meeting you? So... I only had to do that by myself for a couple of days before Brett flew out to Chicago to uh, to meet me. And then he and I knocked out Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio. And um, as a treat for helping me, I gave Brett a Stearman biplane jump in West Virginia. <laughs> Very cool. So um, at which point he and I got in the car and drove down to my parents' house to pick Joel up in a rental. And so the three of us stayed at my very, very conservative parents' house for um, <laughs> like four days. 
Um, which is such a, like, if you know anything about us, that's a total hilarious elephant in the room thing. Um, yeah, but it worked yeah out you guys should have had your own podcast while you were there. <laughs> exactly. So at which point after, uh, they kicked me out of the hospital after about five days, at which point I was in no shape to do really anything. So after a week at the Nets parents of them sort of nursing me carefully, I was just about able to rejoin where the RV was and be able to kind of do some driving and some of the ground sport stuff. Um, feeling up sort of reasonably now, it's still going to be a couple more states before I can jump again. But we decided, even when I was still, you know, fully post kind of major surgery, that by hook or by crook, we would, <laughs> we would complete this project. After yes. everything we've been through, with like mechanical breakdowns, you know, Judgment errors resulting in major surgery. Like we were gonna, we were gonna stick with it. So, yeah. so we stayed at the hospital for a couple of days and then took off and started carrying on. And I just basically had to get better enough to join up when I could. And as a result of of the help that we've received along the way and the people who've been so great in all the drop zones, we are still on schedule. Actually on schedule. Yeah, right. Very yeah. nice. Because broken people make great ground crew. Yes. yes, yes, they do. I hear you have some excellent ground crew, a very, very experienced, excellent ground crew on your staff at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we, we've always got some uh, ground crew. Um, somebody's always broken around here. Uh, at, at the moment, uh, actually, Ben and T are both nursing uh, knee issues. Surgery recoveries. Surgery. Uh, Joel, what, what day did you blow out uh, your rectum? <laughs> what day did you blow out your uh, your backside? I want to see if we were in surgery on the same well, no, day. It was, his, it was his front side, right? So, like, not to get too terribly graphic, but um, <laughs> like, I come but from the medical field, so go into great yeah. detail. Yeah, like gas in the bowel, right? Like when you take a, an impact to the stomach. This happens a lot with car accidents and other traumatic injury. When you take an impact to the stomach and there's a gas bubble in there, it has a tendency to explode. So basically, Joel looks like he had a very troubled pregnancy. Oh, <laughs> uh, so was were you getting septic from that? Is that what caused you to finally say like I gotta go to the the, the hospital? That would have been the result if we hadn't if we'd have carried on and not gone to the hospital. I think that would be what would have happened. Yeah, they said that he had a like a fist size. The um the doctor I actually I put my father who is a uh, who's a, a doc um down as the emergency contact just because I knew that it would be a smarter idea for them to for the doctors and the surgeons to speak to my dad as opposed to me because I would just go I'm sorry what what oh my look at you know information through but basically what the doc what the surgeon told my dad was that by the time he was operated upon he had like a fist sized amount of stuff you don't want yeah. in your gut sitting in his gut and they don't like they're not messing around when they do this procedure on you they they don't just delicately kind of go in and probe about with some some tiny little tools. Like they open you up and they get everything all out onto a table and sort of like blast you with a power hose. Yeah. And then open the hole and like run run your intestines through their hands. Yeah. And then stuff it all back in. Did, right. Did you get that on GoPro? No. No, it's something I don't want to think about very much. But they, they felt like I had been literally trampled by a herd of elephants. Well, it like yeah, yeah. they've got to get all that out of there, otherwise, uh, you, you know, you die. In the, yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. in the space of the two weeks before rejoining Annette, I've lost, I think, 25 pounds. Like, I look like wow. a skull. Jesus, but, uh, dude. That's one way to do it, Brian. I know. If it Note to the, self. If it weren't the awful abdominal scar, you know, it's kind of a weight loss program. 
Yeah, right. Man. <laughs> hey, thank, thank God you made it. Thank yeah. God that. Lake you know, was luckily, like, although it was uh, a massive error and a big surgical procedure, I'm actually in a position where I will recover fully, and that puts me in a position to be a lot luckier than some people, you know. Sure, 100%. It's extra funny. It's extra funny because we're doing intentional water jumps, right? And so I don't. I have a this beautiful new Crossfire three, like best canopy on the planet, so shiny, so crinkly, and this this lovely new Vector Micron that I got earlier in the season that is spectacular, and I didn't want to jump that stuff in the lake, so I was jumping my base gear, and everybody's looking at me like, oh, worry about the girl, worry about the girl. <laughs> My jump was fantastic. Nice. <laughs> You're so dumb about it. It's one of those errors that all, all morning we talked about how not to get that wrong. And then I was like, hey, okay, okay, okay. And then, you know, completely go wrong. Extra funny. How, how high in the air do you think you were when you cut away? Oh, he was 35 to 40 feet. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> you were on tree line, sweetheart, and the videos very clearly show it. I, I still don't think it's that high. But the, the thing... The thing I think that caused the problem the most is the combination of the vertical drop and the forward speed, which meant that when I hit the water, instead of penciling in sort of, you know, elegantly. Right, sort of you were at an angle or you were at a, like a forward motion. Block, you know? So it kind of hit me all in the face and the chest. The videos show that oh. his body does not reflect the, the penciling that one might expect, <laughs> just, you know, as a note. Yeah, in my brain, in my brain it was going to be so beautiful, but, you know. <laughs> Anyway, so I get to be a lesson to all yeah. of here's, here's the question. Uh, who that was there and witnessed this was keeled over laughing, crying before they, before they knew whether you were hurt or not? Because that's your best friend in the world. Oh, no. Like, the, the video is, like, you, there's a video from somebody who was sitting on the boat. And, like, when he hits, the plume of water that goes up is so big and the sound he makes is so awful. You hear, you hear one of the guys on the boat. He's kind of like, yep. He's unconscious. Go and get him. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. You, know, you always see those videos where the, you got the, like something happens like that to somebody, and there's always one guy that's like uncontrollably laughing, even though the situation's yeah. dire. And it's like, yeah, that's the guy's best friend. It's always yeah. it's always the person just keeled over <laughs> laughing. Watching yeah. sale videos live. It's very exciting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, do you remember when Dugues, Dugues shared a photo of himself doing precisely this, right? And he's got this photo of him over the water at about the same height that Joel was at when he cut away. And he's um, he's just cut away from his mane, and he's start like he's beginning his descent towards the water. And he shared it like, ha ha ha! This was the most fun that I ever had breaking all my ribs. Ha ha ha! <laughs> Yeah. And everybody's, you know, Joel and Joel and I are like, oh, well, you know, never do anything like that. This is yeah. hours, hours before the incident. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, so, Joel, being uh, European and all, how's uh, the American healthcare? care? Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> are you an opioid addict at this point? Yeah, pretty strange. Um, kind of like being in the movies. But um, we went to... Um, the, the hospital in Wisconsin was one that was actually recommended to us by Annette's father as being very, very good. And they were all, yeah, they were all very professional and very nice. Um, they did just try and get rid of me. As soon as I was sort of <laughs> up, and, up and ambulatory and sort of walking about and started to actually demonstrate signs of improving, they were like, okay, you go, you're ready to go now. We're going to discharge you tomorrow morning. At this point, I was so far from being able to achieve things I needed to do to leave the hospital in a state where I basically had 
no friends or relatives, and go on an airplane to another state. At that point, I still had the, you know, the intravenous morphine button. I hadn't eaten for like a week. And they were like, yeah, we're going to discharge you tomorrow. And I was like, okay. You're like, oh, wow. No, I'm high right now, but am I cool? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was certainly an interesting experience. I, I'm glad of being in a country where the medical care is pretty good based on having to have a you know, like serious procedure. I've been, over recent years, I've been in some places where avoiding the hospital was very, very hard in those priorities, you know? Yeah. So just last year, there was a, a paragliding crash that ended us up in a hospital in France. And it was, even that was a very, very difficult experience. You know, like the, the doctors and nurses are not there to offer you coffee and hold your hand, you know? Where in the States, you have this weird sort of cabin staffy sensibility about the medical staff around you, which weirds me out, to be totally honest. You mean customer service? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. It's an American thing. <laughs> no, actually, so I just got surgery in the in here in Germany by a German, and uh-huh. I was at a sports, like a, an orthopedic specialty clinic, and uh-huh. I got to say I had that experience in Germany, and it was, it was weird. The customer service experience in Germany? What city? Oh, yes. Mark Gruningen. If you ever blow any of your joints out around Mark Gruningen, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That sounds good. My doctor's name was uh, Richter. He is, does knees and elbows, and he was awesome. Nice. Like, does them all day. All day. Like, five to eight a day. He's the elbow guy. I love yeah. it. Really? Because I, I have an elbow that I'd like seeing. I will, I will see to you under separate cover, hey? All right. Um, anyway, we're moving to Germany um, coming this December. One of the things, one of the very interesting things that has happened along this trip is that um, Jill's accepting a position managing, being the sport manager of the tunnel in Berlin. Oh, nice. We got a couple of friends that are working there. Yeah. 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 It's a really, really good group, hey? Um, yeah. And it's a beautiful video to me. So after the madness, the stark madness of this trip, we are looking very, very forward to like having a nice flat and some nice friends and like not having to move literally every 18 to 24 hours. Never driving anywhere again. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that's a good city for it. I'm looking for a change of pace. Like this project, there's been stuff that has been like really amazing with the places like the small clubs and we knew on the way in it was going to be challenging. We talked about this like last time we spoke, I think. I don't think we were really prepared with Exactly how much pressure that we were going to be under to sustain the magnitude. It is all day, every day, in order to keep it rolling and keep it on track and on schedule. Yeah, and there are times when we're just like, we just have to keep going day by day in order to to keep getting it done. And yeah. this, like, there are there are actually very, 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 very few people in the world who care what we're doing. Um, even the drop zones that are contributing, you know, like you'll you'll show up and they'll be like, oh hi, it's it's you. And we're like, oh god, yes, just get me on a plane. I need to check off this state. <laughs> you know, like um, you'll you'll show up to a drop zone that you've done because I I used to produce, right? Um, I used to produce commercials, and so I have this this very um, I'm I'm a logistician. Schedule really. oriented, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I will I'll send a press release to them two times, making sure that everything's correct and everybody has spreadsheets and calendars and you know a, a follow up schedule. And um, I'll show up to a drop zone like we showed up to a drop zone very recently. Um, and 
were informed by somebody else who doesn't even work for the drop zone that the drop zone isn't open on the day that we sent our press releases to, um, you know, eight different news outlets. Oh, to show wow. Up. Oh, wow. That is something that we definitely could have fixed if it was two weeks ago, but now yeah. not going to happen. And this, I mean, so... this stuff has been happening on a regular basis. And so we're, we're treading water as fast as we can and as furious as we can and we're staying on schedule and holding up our end but so in saying that, I think like <laughs> even I think as we go into the final leg of of the trip when we have like sort of fewer than ten states left to go, I think there will be a definite difference in the response that we get when we're talking about like what we what we've aimed to do and what we're still aiming to do with the work that we've been doing and what we're mm-hmm. going to do towards the end and into the sort of post-project sort of material that we produce. Absolutely. Hopefully, anyway. Like, the idea was that we didn't want to really push about that too much because we'd pretty done But then when we're, you know, nearing in on the end, yeah. we can be like, hey, look, this is what we've done. Please, please celebrate our efforts, please. please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really, really has made me think a lot about the meaning of what, the meaning of the word success in a context like this, you know? Like, when we started out, the goal was to raise $1,000 per state um, for Operation Enduring Warrior. As it turns out, Operation Enduring Warrior won't even tell us how much we've raised in total, uh, um, which makes it very difficult to, because um, I'm, I'm a really oriented person, and I like to, I like to see metrics, I like to see, I like pie charts and, and, and scatter graphs, and I like to I like to visualize data. And I've like got nothing. Excel. I do. I love Excel. And that, do you have Do you have some sort of like thermometer in the in the van with like the some, dollars raised, and your the thermometer is <laughs> getting higher and higher? It's like like yeah. on a Price is Right or something. You you can see it like the amount of whites of my eyes that you can see on any given day is about as much of the sort of fire meter as you really need. <laughs> right now you've been able to see the whites around my eyes quite a lot, I'd say. Huh? <laughs> well, because I'm I'm having to do all these jumps myself too, and I'm I'm not sure like it it might seem to many like I'm pretty outgoing, but I'm actually very like I'm cripplingly shy and pretending not to be. And so having to show up to a drop zone and meeting a whole bunch of people that I've never met in my life who have been, you know, really generous with me and then going out on whatever skydive they happen to want to do. And like, it's, it's difficult for me, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's, that's, it's always hard, like showing up to a new drop zone and figuring out who's who and you're doing it in every state and, and on a timeline. And jumpers are not always the easiest people to organize. So, uh, well, people I, are generally incredibly helpful and really friendly. Um, but as sort of introverted people, even even so, it's still uh, you know a, an expenditure of energy to to maintain the kind of like return on their investment into us. And so at times it can be like that was amazing, and I'm exhausted now. But now we have to drive another 200 miles. Yeah, because oh, we we talked to you guys last in May. Uh, yep. The recording went out June 1st, uh-huh. and now it's July 31st as we speak now. So it'll be August by this releases. But so you you've been on the on the road for what four months now, jumping <laughs> jumping and driving. Yeah, the the amount, the way that the timeline looks in our brains is um, is a little otherworldly, right? Like it feels like we talked to you guys yesterday, but it yeah. also feels like it's been years. An you eternity, know? yeah. 
so much has so much has happened like in our in our inner lives and our outer lives like the news the news about berlin and the 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 <laughs> um radio no what, transmission sorry the transmission going out and having to replace that on state number two which we talked to you guys about yeah. already and the injury and you know going to and spending a little bit of unexpected time with my parents and all of the different kinds of jumping that we've been doing in all of the different places like it's been it's been very densely packed um it almost sort of reminds me of my early days in well, my early days in any sport, right? My early days in stage jumping when everything was just, everything was so much and you're sort of like swimming through the molasses of your own emotional life, getting onto the next thing, but being completely overwhelmed by what's happening to you. Um, it's been really instructive in that way and, uh, and figuring out how to make it all work together too, especially with this, um, because we both work on our laptops, you know, um, making sure that all of my clients are happy and I'm making all of my deadlines at the same time that I'm organizing this enormously um, convoluted logistical mission has been quite, I mean, I'm glad that I've had the chance to do it because it's really showed me the envelope of my own ability. Yeah. <laughs> What's something that uh, you've learned about yourself uh, during this trip? Um, do you want to start? Well, I think. Um, or we can come back to that one. <laughs> for me, it's how, how great people have been in the skydiving community um, without having any real need to know anything about my need about as an outsider. We knew that the skydiving community would help us. Oh, you're we touching the question. He asked you to tell him something, to tell him something that you learned about yourself, not about the skydiving community. <laughs> do, do you want me to say that? Thank I, you, Annette. No. No, I was I was Everybody knows you're an idiot for passing the like, I covered that already. Dick deep. Right. <laughs> I, I thought I made you know, usually make a decision. Turns out that I don't. <laughs> um I I learned that so I have always thought that I was um that I was able to continually rise to the occasion and do more and more and more and more. And I wasn't really, I wasn't really viscerally aware of a limit to the things that I had packed into a day. I always felt like I was wasting parts of my day, right? I have figured out that there is only so much that I can meaningfully do. Um, Cause I, I do a lot of studying. Um, I do, I study math for fun and I study a couple of languages mm. and I was thinking that I was going to be able to keep up 100% with those things as we moved along. I pulled out, like, the Spanish tutoring that I was doing every week and the, the math homework that I was doing every day has sort of slid. And it sounds like a stupid thing to be frustrated about, but I was thinking that I could do that stuff and do all of the rest of it. And I'm starting to learn that I need to be a little gentler with myself about this, otherwise it really doesn't serve me. Yeah, that's... That's cool. I mean, yeah, doing math for fun is cool. The twelve-year-old me would hate doing math. So, um, with uh, at least on my Instagram, van life is everywhere, and I feel like it's becoming kind of part of uh, culture, pop culture. But yeah. what's what's something they don't tell you about van life that you've discovered uh, on the road? Bigger is not better. Um, they, we're, we're Sorry, Brian's like, yes. 
Dude, like I, I was thinking that this was that this was the solution. Okay, right. So on one hand, we are we're basically living in a tiny house. It's it's about thirty eight feet long, and we're pulling a motorcycle trailer, right? Um, technically, we have motorcycles to carry us wherever we need to go, and we've got an apartment sized place to live. Um, it is really difficult to navigate that thing into um, like normal human scale spaces. We have seen the insides of more Walmarts on this trip than I can count on my hands and feet by a factor of five, maybe. We go to so, we go to so many Walmarts that the the algorithms in my phone have started offering me employment opportunities. At Because like this thing won't fit anywhere smaller than that, you know. Like we have a we have a Planet Fitness membership, right? Um, because they have a they have a nationwide plan, um, and we're we're both fitness people. So like we basically spend our lives in the parking lots of like these sort of half dead malls where you find Planet Fitnesses, and in front <laughs> of Walmart, um, watching the little like which are also half dead. Yeah, exactly. No, they're actually they're they're a little bit. They're alive in the like third world um, dumpster sense, you know. Like they're <laughs> they're generally. <laughs> yeah. So when you're, you know, we have a conversion van that we use in Europe, and, oh, I miss that. I and miss it's it so much. and it's so much more nimble. When when the vehicle you're using gets to a certain point, RV RV traveling is sort of less less van life, more a particular thing, you know. To park in an actual spot with actual hookups. I mean, it's you're spending thirty bucks a night to park it in a state park, um, depending on where in where you are. Like thirty bucks is about as little as you're going to spend for a night on hookups anywhere. Um, generally, in nicer areas, you're easily at seventy bucks a night, and that's a hotel or an Airbnb, you know? Like, wow. Yeah, and, and you can leave it behind and leave it messy. And yeah, exactly. Um, it's weird. I wasn't really expecting it. And we've got, and first of all, like I have to catch this by saying that I renovated this RV to be a boondocking setup. Like it's got, it hasn't got black water. Um, it's only a gray water system and it's got a solar, like it's got a huge goal zero battery, like a goal zero battery. I can't even pick up. It's that big. Um, with a solar panel attached to it and a generator that has, um, that has a double, battery system attached to that like it's a boondocking setup and still it runs out of power and you have to change the oil in the generator and like things that you wouldn't think but when you're moving around this fast and doing this much it takes a lot of time to see to and i guess that's what i've learned about the the rv setup is that like it's a well to put it mildly a ball ache yeah <laughs> it's a technical um, term ball ache <laughs> When we do end up in the right circumstances, it is it is great to have such something in such size and space where you can unpack everything and have you know there's a shower and a toilet and mm-hmm. you know a full size kitchen and all that stuff. But it's it's kind of the, the effort of getting something that size around the place is often it seems like more effort than a smaller, more nimble vehicle would be yeah. worth with the compromises that you have to make. You know? And I wouldn't bring the motorcycles with it next time. I would just get a little Chevy Spark or something like that because, like, we have our um, case in point. We have our speed wings, right? And uh, we've been through quite a few places that have speed flying sites or potential speed flying sites to scout. We haven't taken those wings out once, man, because like getting the whole kit 
from the RV wherever we have to park it, like to a site, is just you know like I have a I have a ninja. I'm not going to be able to take it up dirt roads, um, like potholes, rocky roads mm-hmm. to not happen, especially if I'm carrying a whole bunch of kits. So, um, in that regard, I feel like I definitely could have planned better. Um, it's really hard seeing those wings and being like, man, I want to fly you. <laughs> yeah. So you uh, you kind of led me to a question I was um, going to ask earlier. Um, so did you bring any other single parachute systems? Yeah, I totally did. Um, I've jumped I've jumped it a couple of times, but only like I said, I've only really been jumping them in the skydiving context because getting out to exit points is not really something that I've been able to do. Yeah. The closest to a proper base jump that I've done. <laughs> and I'm not sure. I think I talked to you. No, I talked to you before this. Um, we, a couple of our, um, our base jumping friends in Seattle took us out for, get this, a, a midnight bandit bungee jump off one of their bridges out in the middle of nowhere that was like, you know, a two hour drive from the city. And like they rigged up a whole bungee jumping system in the middle of the night to this random bridge. Um, and it was, it was a magical experience. Like, and that was the closest that I've gotten to that on the whole trip. But, you know, I'll tell you, I hadn't actually done a bungee jump before, and I don't think I'll do one again just because it's <laughs> fucking cold and there was no way that I'll be able to equal it. But, like, literally, it was the the experience of having a like a two o'clock in the morning base jump. Except I was I'm standing on the edge of this bridge in the deep, deep, deep dark of night, like not wearing anything and just feeling a little tug on my ankles to let me know that anything? there was something. Oh, well, no, just feeling this little tug of like cuffs on my ankles to know that there was Oh, you mean you didn't have a rig on. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. we thought you did like wrong oh, naked, 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 naked We're all sitting bandit. here grinning at each other like idiots. And no not reason. feeling the, like the risers like hugging your shoulders and not feeling that comforting little hug around your hips. It was so naked feeling. It was then, crazy. And then free-falling down to within 10 feet of the water in this really tight, narrow gully without really having to do anything until after that point. Yeah. No. It's like, a, it's really, a really unique sensation. Where your body is telling you, like, okay, you're done. You know, like, you get, you basically have the, the base jump feeling until your brain realizes that you're too low to get anything out at this point. And, like, I felt, I felt my body just give up on me. It was like, I, I don't know what you did, but... This is all you know. <laughs> and so do they do to get away? Did they lower you down to the bottom or pull you back up? Or how does that? How does the second after the bungee is done bouncing? They, um, they were pulling us back up to the top. So okay. they have a climbing rope with a carabiner, and they attach it to a truck on top of the bridge. And then they have a little pulley system, and they yeah they just winch you back up to the top. Right. So you, when you like we knew nothing about this type of, of bungee jumping on the way in. Which is, is kind of different to the, the tourist experience bungee jumping. There's <laughs> things that they do, like for example, managing the bungee rope itself. You have a spotter who lets the bungee rope out so it doesn't provide any weight as you fall, which means you're effectively free falling off a 300 and something foot bridge all the way down with any bungee rope interfering with you, which is how they, these guys do it to make it feel as pure as possible. And your head, like you're literally, your head comes within 20 feet of the water underneath you, and like. It's crazy. And then at the um, there's a process of things that you have to go through in order to 
to successfully get yourself back up to the top. And you don't just do nothing in bangles. After the first the first bang from the rope, you come up again about another hundred feet. And you have to then at the top of that that recoil of the bungee rope, get yourself into a ball so that the bungee rope doesn't like whack you in the face and so it doesn't like you don't sort of like whiplash yourself on the way back down. And then on the second recoil of the bungee rope, you have to sort of like clamber up the rope and get yourself up into a, an upright position in in the harness and sort of like ankle strap system that you've got, which it seems like an incredibly demanding and complicated series of things that you have to do when you're bouncing up and down on a rope. But then so much more complicated than any patient I've ever done. Like the, the briefing for it took like five minutes and he's like, okay, do you remember all that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. But then they like when you when you manage that they they lower down a, a carabiner on a running rope and push you back up to the top, which is the scariest thing. <laughs> and then but the, the the good part about that is after the five minute ride back up to the top, you can go again. Because you're still hooked in. They're just like, do you want to go again? And you're just like... Oh, wow. Like, no, no, back and nothing. You're just back on the top, and you just go, all right, and then off you go. So you can... When you're hooked up, you can get a few in in a really short space of time, which was... It was it was a really, really fun thing to do. It was a trip, man. It was really, it was really interesting. Yeah, you don't have to repack the bungee cord. Yeah, no. It's, yeah, that's it's, brilliant. But yeah, like... And I just love the way that they do it. Like, it's... The, I had no idea that bandit bungee jumping was a thing ever for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> That's the next thing. People are going to be like, whoa, you're a base jumper? I'm going to be like, no, have you seen bandit bungee jumping? (laughs) It was really interesting to compare the processes of of having done a whole bunch of base jumps and then going back to being just a total newbie who's standing there on the bridge waiting for these guys to tell you exactly what to do. It's kind of like being a a tandem student. The questions pop up in your brain to be like, oh, you just attach it there? Oh, yeah. the, the bungee rope doesn't look very thick. Dude, um, right. it was because I write. I mean, one of the one of the bits of work that I do is I write about twenty thousand words a month for that person in skydiving, like answering the basic FAQs. Um, and so I've written so many articles that are like, oh, can I get injured skydiving? And like, I'm sitting here googling on this, you know, on this bridge at two o'clock in the morning. Can I get injured bungee jumping? Right. <laughs> Yeah, but being on the edge of a bridge uh, preparing to jump off is not a foreign concept to either of you. But then in this uh, scenario, it, it completely was. Dude, getting because, I mean, one of the reasons that it becomes easier and easier and easier to base jump is because you get so used to the sensations of it, right? Sure. Like, I was, there were so many things, like, you know when you change something, um, when you change something in your process, no matter what process you're talking about, like, um, I mean, paragliding, speed flying, skydiving, when you change some variable and then all of a sudden your brain is throwing all of these red flags at you, like you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. Like imagine what it feels like to be standing like at, at the point of no return with that pressure on your feet when you're standing on the railway of a bridge that lets you know either you're going to fall over backwards and maybe just crack your skull or fall forwards and die. And like your body's just saying, you are doing it wrong. You are doing it wrong. <laughs> so did you guys go again because you were hooked up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. I was like, yeah. he was like, do you want to go, you want to go again? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, do you want to go backwards? And I was like, okay, completely just gave into the first, like, tiniest little bit of peer pressure. Yeah. I was like, okay. Nailed it, though. 
got some distance. <laughs> my my only bungee experience was in uh, Uganda, but it was pretty standard tourist experience other than you know the actual location. I would yeah. totally suggest doing it this way. Yeah. <laughs> if you're ever in Seattle, let me know and I'll I'll try to put you in contact with the humans. Yeah, deal. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I've been following your guys' uh, Instagram quite a bit, the uh, Down for mm-hmm. 50, and uh, I was kind of hoping you'd give us some background on what happened in Dayton, Ohio, with the um, uh, bent handlebars. Oh, yeah. So my, um, I've got a sport bike, I've got a Ninja, and uh, I don't have sport clips. I don't have the, the sport-style um, hand controls on my Ninja. I have basically what are um they're they're the curvy ones you know Mm -hmm. um so when you and the way that my fairing is on the bike you have to have these soft grips which are bits of webbing that go over the that go over the hand controls and then get ratcheted down on both sides well when you do that for a couple hundred miles to the track and back they survive just fine. When you do that for like 10, 12,000 miles, it starts to pull the handlebars down. Um, so I'm right now trying to figure out how these handlebars are ever going to get back to the way that they were. I'm probably just going to have to drop off the bike here in, well, in Massachusetts where I'm going to be and uh, have somebody work on it and then just go pick up the bike later and have an excuse for another cross-country ride on it. Um, it's honestly... Why not? really really hard on us and our stuff yeah <laughs> we'll just put it that way um, so there's kind of a, a trade-off between um going on more developed roads that have better surfaces and being surrounded by traffic in the rv which is pretty stressful or going on like less traveled routes where quite often the road surfaces are not very good and so it's you know when you do that you hit a big bump and have to freak out about the bike very cool so tell us a little bit about West Virginia skydiving. I'm, I'm intrigued by that drop zone as well. So West Virginia skydiving is a really interesting place, hey? Um, they have they have reasonably regular access to a beautiful Stearman um, biplane, which is done all up in U.S., like retro U.S. Army colors. It is the most loved airplane I've ever seen. It is so shiny. It's beautiful. Um, they have microlight pilots through and powered paragliding pilots through that are more than happy to dump jumpers. Um, they don't even charge for it. They're so stoked. Um, they've got tri-state access. Um, they are a beautiful little grass strip that's right next to the Ohio River. Um, and they are right down the road from this place called Hillbilly Hot Dogs, which is an experienced bar yes. and salon. That, that was going to be my next question, but please go ahead. Yeah. Um, how would you describe hillbilly hot dogs, Jordan? It's where hillbillies go to get their hillbilly experience. From the perspective of an outsider, it's pretty hardcore stuff, you know? They've, um, they've got, like, a trailer that they cook the hot dogs in, and then they've got two old school buses that are um, graffitied with an inch of their lives. The rest of it is this collection of, like, dump gloriousness. Um, they have, okay... Uh, example of the stuff that's just lying around. Have you ever seen in like the 1950s they had this thing that was like 
it looks like an old school um, scale that you would step onto at the doctor's office. Sure. Except it has like a uh, it has like a canvas strap that's attached to the top of it. And you see these like videos of women in the fifties. Oh, getting shaken or like. Yeah. yeah, they have one of those. <laughs> That's cool. Yes, yeah, so I actually grew up in the tri-state area of uh, Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia, and so like, oh, yeah. things like uh, those hot dog trucks are not a foreign concept to me. So I was really excited when I saw that one. That's good. That's a it's a really popular place. It was delicious too. Like I mean, I am um, I'm I'm vegetarian. And so I got their one vegetarian option, which I thought was just going to be like some crappy throwaway. Okay, this is just what we're going to do for the vegetarians since we have to. Turns out it was really, wow, really good. And it's just, a, <laughs> it's just a few miles from the drop zone as well. It's four and miles so from the, the drop zone. Yeah, like the, we could have walked if we had our brother. The, on our way out, we were just sort of stepping off the eve. And the, the staff were really insistent about us going there. We were really glad that we did. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So no, how? So sorry, go ahead. West Virginia. Say again. Uh, have you ever jumped in West Virginia? I've I've know? only base jumped in in West Virginia. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah the, little bridge the day and then a couple other objects in in the area. Yep. Yeah, we didn't make it out to uh, the gorge, which is a shame because I would love to. But um, again, like this again. This rig, it gets five miles to the gallon. And so if you're going to go a little bit off the grid, you have to be damn sure that it's going to be worth it, you know? Yeah, and I, I'd imagine uh, mileage isn't so great in a, in a, a mountainous state like that. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I think uh, at this point we are – we're going to be spending about $5,500 in gas by the end of the trip. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and that's just for staying – you know, high and dry on the very, uh, on the narrow path, just to say. Yeah. So I, I know we, we touched on it before, and you said there's not a very good metric for um, your progress, but how do you think you've been doing on the fundraising? We Literally, we have no idea. Um, we I asked um, for a little bit of info from the organization, um, and I'm just not getting it, so I'm not sure. Um, yeah. We've been appearing on TV kind of a lot, you know, like once every five states or so. Um, so people are definitely hearing about it, and people are responding in a way that would imply that they're donating. Um, we're not sure why these guys are being kind of withholding with us about that information. Mm. And again, like I told you, I was in a truth-telling mood, so there it is. Yeah. Um, and it's it may be because we're not veterans ourselves. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of speculation at this point. But, yeah, um, I am hoping that at the very least we are getting the information to veterans about how skydiving is a thing that they can do and that this community is going to be welcoming to them no matter what. Um, yeah. And that really, my goal is to help one person who hears one of these new cat newscasts at some point, and then it'll make it worth it for me. Yeah. So for the uh, a refresher for those that heard the last episode um, with you guys, and for those that are maybe hearing it for the first time, where can they donate? Um, downforfoodie.org, and that's D-O-W-N-F-O-R-5-0 dot org, is where we have sort of a hub for information and for donations if people would like to. Um, 
that actually links directly to OEW. I'm not sure. I mentioned this last time, but I'll cover it again. Um, we are not taking donations for Operation Enduring Warrior. We are referring people to OEW for donations just so that they get 100% of those funds. And there's no question that we might be using them, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, that's about all the news that's fit to print, man. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add before we uh, sign off? Um, just that we love you guys and we miss you. Yeah, it's nice to see you. Dude, so when do you guys get to Berlin? Uh, after, after we finish this project on the 20th of October, I go to Bahrain to, to judge at the Tunnel World Cup. And then from there, pretty much straight to Berlin after that. Yep, so we're going to be there for the fall. We're going to have our, our puppy coats. Nice. Yeah, we'll have to come up and visit. Um, Absolutely. And then if you guys want to make your way down to the valley, I'll get the Stuttgart, and then we can handle the logistics from there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that's a plan right there. Awesome. Sick. All right, guys. Well, we wish you the best of luck with the remainder of your journey. Maybe we can do another uh, recap at the end and, and uh, you know, see how see how the, the rest see how of it all turned goes. out. Brad. So good to talk to you guys. Have a yeah. fantastic. Alright, love you guys. Be safe. No more no more hospital visits. Hey, just one more cav- just one more caveat to put a smile on your guys' face before we sign off. If uh <laughs> if you want, just imagine picture picture Randy in his uh his underwear. Because I, I am I don't know what you would call them. <laughs> uh they they're Jack and Jones underwear. The brand not, not a sponsor of the company. It's not MeUndies yeah, like every mostly, other podcast, they're, but they're mostly pink. Uh, with some blue shading. They're reddish. They're just so. Just if if you picture that, and they're damp. They're very damp. They're very yeah. Damp. For for sound quality, we had to turn off all the fans and close the windows, <laughs> which makes this place a hot box. It's 95 <laughs> degrees out. All right, we'll go jump so, a bunk and I. Right. Good, yeah. So I'm literally we're I'm literally in my underwear <laughs> recording. This. Very nice. <laughs> Anyways, all, all right, right guys. guys. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and I know you guys, you guys stopped on your on your route just to talk to us. So thank you for that. Um, of course, anytime. Into, and uh, <laughs> and we will do this again at the end. Sounds like a plan, you guys. Have a great day. Drive Sick. safe, jump safe. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. Ciao. Ciao. Take it easy. Ooh. Well, that was fun. Yeah, we're all dying. Yeah, we're like dying. <laughs> Sorry, it's so hot. Brian's like, I'm done. Get these he's fucking headphones, headphones Fuck it. There's no conclusion. All right, we'll, discussion. We'll, we'll add some more of this. Thank later. you, everybody. We'll it's been great. <laughs> Brian's gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> all right. If you want to know more about our guests, just check out the show notes. And if you want to give us some feedback or reach out to us, you can hit us at baselife2014 at gmail.com. Facebook.com backslash the base life and on Instagram we're at base dot life. All right, thanks.